listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. Well, welcome to another episode of Splash. I'm Shalene Bryan here with my buddy, Barbara Cameron. Hello, everyone. We're ready to splash you with a little love, laughter, and encouragement to rehydrate your soul. And this is a guest that was one of our favorites in the Splash Zone. It's Kelly Asbell Part 2. That's we right. promised. <laughs> we promised to have her back. But one of my promises I made was that I was going to have her back in studio when she was able to fly. But the reality is, and if you haven't heard her story yet, please go to season two of Splash and listen to Kelly's story and then listen to this episode because it's so good. You're just going to be floating on air after you listen to this girl and her story and her testimony and her joy. But what's awesome, first of all, Kelly, welcome back. Hello, (laughs) Kel. Hello. Thank you for having me. Kelly. Oh. This is a longtime family friend of Barbara's. Yes. And I got to scoot in and get to know her in my mm. 20s because of Barbara. Well, first of all, Kelly is a cystic fibrosis survivor. Yes, that's She's right. a CF survivor. She's a mother. And she is a wife of an amazing godly man who loves He's his woman. And she is a recent lung transplant recipient, which is unbelievable kelly is splashing this world from coast to coast now i mean shoot not having lungs didn't keep her down i think she has wings they gave her lungs and wings she's flying all over that's right but back when she was younger because weren't you diagnosed with cf at 10 years old i was right she had to make a wish that's right and her three wishes it reminds me of the aladdin movie right she goes i want to walk where jesus walked right. right and they go i'm sorry little girl um, there's a bunch of turmoil going on That's over right. in um, Israel. You're not going to do that. She goes, okay, then buy my buy mom a house. <laughs> I'm like, I'm loving this girl. And they go, um, well, that's a little bit too much. too much. And she goes, my sister had all these posters of Kurt Cameron. She goes, I didn't really even know who he was. He was like grandpa to me. And, um, <laughs> and she goes, okay, well. I'd like to go to Growing Pains and be on the show. That's Boom. Right. And then that happened and that was it. Oh and my that's gosh. how you guys that's met, how we right? Met. Yep. That's how we met. She got to be on the show as a nurse. <sighs> and then through that whole experience, uh, Kelly and I just kept in touch. And she ended up coming to California. And were you, you were in your early 20s, I think, Kelly, when you wanted to do, I was. Uh, come to California. And uh, she interned as a publicist mm. over at yeah. uh, NBC, I think. And then yeah. we had a little situation there, and she ended up going <laughs> home. <laughs> um, we go but, way back. But, yeah, but your desire, you know, is just uh, enjoyed through all of your life with CF um, has been amazing. And now, girl, we want to hear the continuation of the life of Now that Kelly. the lungs have landed. That's right. <laughs> how are you feeling? I'm... Still in a shock state, I think. I'm. I'm. It How long surreal. has it been? Wasn't it May? It. It's been like 572 days now. 572 <laughs> days. Because when someone gives you a set of lungs, you count every day okay. that you can go like this. Listeners, I just need everyone right now to go. Yeah. It's so amazing. I still wake up and it amazes me. I watch my breath fall and rise in my chest. And every morning I have tears in my eyes. I'm just mm. so grateful to be alive. And I, 
I have gotten to experience so many things since that one year. And I, my whole life, people have prepared me to die and no mm. one prepared me to live. And now that I've been, I've been given this chance, I'm trying to live the most I can through the time that I have left. So it's been a journey. <laughs> I knew I was supposed to bring Kleenex again. <laughs> She's know. already wrecking me. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, I, I, having you back in the splash zone is something that um, it really rehydrates me, Kelly. I mean, I'm a, you know, out there with people and encouraging people, but you are so encouraging to my soul. And I know that people listening right now are just going to lean in. Um, go back and give us the brief um experience of what happened to you um, a year ago and then what God did and what's happened since for those that haven't heard you on part one, season two of Splash. Well, I, like I said, was born with cystic fibrosis, but I didn't know till I was 10. Um, I was, I basically have lived in and out of hospitals for the 30 years that I've been cognizant of having cystic fibrosis. So Hospitals became like home to me, and mm. I would go in for what they call tune-ups, where they would clean out your lungs with antibiotic therapy, and then I'd go home for a while till I had my next cold or whatever, and then I'd go into the hospital again. And um, my husband and I really went big for my 40th birthday because I was told I wouldn't live past 18 or 20, and we went to Disney World with some friends, and the day that I got back, I thought I was just having another exasperation, and of cystic fibrosis and landed in the hospital. And that hospitalization led to doctors finally saying that I was multi-drug resistant, that there was, your body was never intended to live on antibiotics. And since I lived on them for all 30 mm. years of knowing I had CF, there was no other drugs out there that could help me. And mm. so I went from running six days a week, two miles a day with lungs that were like in the 50 percentile to dropping down to like 17% lung capacity on oxygen and told that I had to go through an evaluation for new lungs. And so my, my health just kind of went off the peripheral cystic fibrosis cliff. I, I got to that point where my lungs said no more. And I found myself fighting for my life. And I was in the hospital 92 days. Um, we had already called the funeral home. I had already written the letters for my children saying goodbye. I had already written their letters and bought their wedding gifts and all their birthday gifts till they were 21. And, and your kids were 10 at the time of this, right? The yeah. very age you were when you were diagnosed oh, yeah. with CF. And it, oh, yeah. And this was my biggest fear because it's like when I turned 10 years old, I felt like my childhood had ended as I once knew it. And I that was the one thing I always mm. feared with my kids growing up is that they would turn 10 years old and something tragic would happen to them. And sure enough, it was kind of like history showing me like, wow. And what I have to say through that whole journey of waiting for the lungs and, and learning about, you know, what was going to take place. God never prepared me for the backstory behind it. Like what was happening just a hospital less than 10 miles away with my donor's family and what, kind of conspired and how these lungs came about. And to make a long story short, um, I literally felt like I had less than 24 hours to live when Eyewitness News breaks in and tells a story of this mom that takes her little girl to the park. 
sits down on a park bench to tie her shoe and she lifts her head up and kids on bikes started shooting at a car and she did what any mom would do. She fell right on top of her baby, saved her life, my life and seven other people's lives that night. And I'm the one that got her lungs. Wait, 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 wait. See, you didn't know this when you were on the show the first time because they wouldn't give you information about your donor. Shut up. Okay, wait, slow down a second. (laughs) Slow down. All right. Mm. So the young mom in her 20s that gifted you, oh my gosh, gifted you with this perfect match set of lungs that you're breathing with right now Mm -hmm. was at a, tell that story. Hold on. She was at a park 10 miles away from the hospital? Less than seven miles away from my hospital room. The same day that I got listed for lungs was the same day she took her little girl that was three years old to a park on the south side of Chicago, which was seven miles from my hospital room. And it was around the three o'clock hour when she sat down on a park bench to tie her little girl's shoe. And out of nowhere, kids on bikes started shooting at a car. And she did what any mom would do. She fell on top of her little girl to save her little girl's life and took the bullet for her. And in the process of saving her little girl, she saved my life and six other people's lives that night. And the family kept Tracy alive for 13 days. And through that 13 days, the church was praying. I had people, Barb, all over the country, people were praying and interceding for me because at that point, I didn't even have enough breath to talk. I was just so weak. And and I was coming to the acceptance that I was not going to get that call. And I had such a peace that washed over me, knowing the Lord and knowing the worst thing that could happen was I could wake up in the arms of Jesus or wake up into the arms of the ones that I love here on earth. Mm. And so I was ready And as I'm preparing my goodbyes, the story breaks in through eyewitness news and telling the story of this mom. And it struck so significant in me, even though I couldn't breathe that well, the tears just formed and I formed this connection with the story, not realizing that she was my donor. And so after they take the tube out, I started hearing the Frank Sinatra music and, and and then I realized there was one song called Fly Me to the Moon that kept playing and it would wake mm-hmm. me up in the middle of the night. And it would make it so that I couldn't even talk to people because it kept blaring. And they ended up giving me medication because I thought I was going crazy, of course. And I asked them if they played that music in the surgery room. And they said no. And to make a long story short, Tracy's mom ends up sending me the letter about her daughter's life and in her obituary. It said that every night Tracy could be found singing Fly Me to the Moon to her little girl. And it was that connection. And I realized, wow. And to hear the backstory now, you see Tracy's family struggled with donating her organs because Tracy was a third generation Jehovah Witness. Her family strongly believed that you don't donate blood, you don't allow blood transfusions, you don't donate organs because that's not what they believe in their faith. But at the last waking moment, because the prayers of the righteous availed much, it was because of that Tracy's family's hearts were softened and God heard the cries of his people all throughout the country that was praying for me and allowed the hearts to be softened so that they donated her organs to and I'm the one that got her lungs. Oh, my gosh. That's just the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. This is just 
a miracle. It's how the unseen hand of God is putting things in motion without us even recognizing it. We're wondering why aren't these showing up and why don't I have lungs and why isn't this or why isn't my husband returning home or why isn't my kid not sick anymore? And God's like, just wait, I'm shifting the atmosphere. I mean, I told you after your episode, I'm a donor now. I was not, and I'm not Jehovah Witness. I was just selfish. I mean, I'm a donor now. It's on my license. I'm so proud about it, but I can't hear a helicopter. I cannot hear a helicopter. And we've had a lot lately in Southern California with all the fires. And I'm hearing helicopters. And every time I do, I think of you. I pray for you. I pray for the twins. I pray for your marriage. Because as Kelly was sitting in her hospital room, she would hear mm-hmm. the helicopters come yes. that was bringing organs. Yeah. And yeah. I loved your attitude. It was so selfless. You're like, as much as you would pray that those were for you, you were on a wing of people who were yeah. needing lungs <laughs> and need, needing organs. And you said, but Lord, if it's for someone else, blessed be the name of the Lord. You That's give right. and take yeah. away. And yes. that and mindset. Was, <sighs> and I was sitting in the midst of the storm and I was hearing the reports and I was seeing my oxygen levels dropping and I got that call and I ran out of the grave. I mean, it's a Lazarus moment and no one can prepare you emotionally for what you go through and no one can prepare you for the changes that happen in a marriage after a transplant, the changes that happen with your family. I'm not the only one that went through this this was a process for my community, my church, my family. And, you know, I remember two weeks after I got home, I was, I sit on a committee for 500 turkeys. We provide Thanksgiving dinner for families across our region, over 1500 meals. And we have an annual event every year. And um, I told the director, I said, I don't know why I need to speak. I came with my mask on. I said, but God is laying on my heart that I have to talk here today about what happened to me and why this is important and, and why I feel like people should know my story. And she gave me the microphone and I was talking to a group of volunteers, just volunteering for this event. And I told my story and a man came up to me and he was an older gentleman and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I want you to know Tracy didn't just save your life that night. She saved my life today. And I said, what do you mean, sir? And he said, I came here to volunteer, but before I came here, I wrote my suicide letter. And I was going to go home after this event, and I was going to take my life. But I heard your story, and I heard about tracing what she did to you, and I want to live. I don't want to take my life anymore. I'm just so tired of hurting. Mm. And I was able to pray with him that day, and I asked him, I said, would you promise me? You and I will make a promise right today. I said, you promised me that you will come back next year and you will show me that you made it a year. And I'm going to promise you that I'm going to come back to this event next year and I'm going to still be alive. And I'm going to every day think of you and I'm going to pray for you. If you promise me that you will make it to this event next year. Well, he came to the event and he found me and he said, Mm I thank you for sharing your story because this has been the best year of my life. I got a job at McDonald's and I feel like I'm actually helping people. He said, and I met the love of my life Mm. and I no longer want to kill myself. I want to live. And 
I um, took a position. I was working and um, selling respiratory um, products. And I, since then, after my doctor said it's probably not the smartest move selling to respiratory patients with transplanted lungs, I decided to take an OBGYN position. I thought, oh, I'm never going to have to use my story about my lung transplant. I can create an identity outside of my lungs. And the first day, I give my first lunch to a group of doctors and I've got my presentation prepared. (laughs) I got my, I've got my whole presentation ready about the products I'm selling for menopausal women and God changes the plans because I overhear a nurse telling a doctor that right after this lunch, she's going to tell this patient that her baby's going to have cystic fibrosis. And the doctor, I overheard the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you know, I'm going to have to tell her that my recommendation is to abort because they don't have any quality of life. These kids live in and out of hospitals, and they have no quality of life. So I was met with a challenge. Do I share? Wait, wait, wait. When was this? This is after you got the lungs, post lungs. Okay. (laughs) So this is recently, within the 500 days. Yes. Okay. Yes. This was recently after I accepted the position sometime in August is when I gave that first lunch. And I said, sir, I said, I'm sorry. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm sorry, but I have to interject and I have to share what happened to me. And it was an Indian doctor. And she asked me the hardest question anyone has ever asked me in my life. And I wasn't prepared for it. And my breath literally was taken away. She looked at me and said, do you ever wish your mom would have aborted you? That was a cannonball. Because that's what I tell all of my patients whose babies are pressed. Yeah, I tell them to abort those babies. And God allowed me to open up to her. And I said, I think the misconception in the medical world is, is that you guys are taught that as long as you have your health, you have everything. I said, I didn't have my health. I wasn't born with perfect lungs. You know, normally you're born healthy and then you get sick over time because of age or because of disease or because of circumstances or because of your environment. I said, but very little people get the chance to be born sick and get healthy. I was Mm. given that chance. And I can tell you, I'm no more happier with lungs that are perfect than I was with lungs that weren't perfect because life happened despite having lungs that were sick. I still had my family. I still got to go to college. I still had the greatest moments of my life in hospitals when everybody thought that those were probably the worst of the times for me. Sometimes those were the best moments of my life. Mm. And she had tears in her eyes and she said, gave me a hug and she said, I'm so sorry. I've wronged these patients all these years. I've wronged them. I didn't know. And she came back to me and she said, two weeks later, she says, I told this mom your story. And you could be assured that a baby was born, is going to be born because you, she decided to keep her baby because of the fact I told her of the rep that came to my lunch and told me about her life. Praise God. So, oh God, amen. Just... amen. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Kelly just has to open up her mouth. Yeah. yeah Everywhere exactly. she goes. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, and it Kelly. goes to show you that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who are called. That's no right. matter what your circumstances is, it may seem like the worst circumstance in the world. But God is on the other side of our broken dreams and our ashes of uncertainty. 
with some dreams of his own. Mm -hmm. I had no clue being a mom that was disabled and thinking I'm preparing my kids for a mom that, that is sick. He said, let just give me those hopes and dreams. I'll never forget the, the six month anniversary of my transplant. I had a doctor's appointment and my doctor looked at me and she said, what next? That was the first time I was given permission. Now that I got these lungs, it's time to live and it's time to rejoice and it's time to celebrate. Yes. And I said, what do you mean? I, you, I've been born with CF lungs. There's no way. I'm born, I have cystic fibrosis. I can't do what, what I've always dreamt of doing. She says, what do you want to do? I said, the thing that I've only known my whole world, I want to help you guys help your patients. I want to be a pharmaceutical rep. And she said, what's keeping you? So the first thing that I do, and I told Barb this, first <laughs> thing that I do when I'm given the permission to live, I go to the airport. And I look at the screen and I look and see the flights that are coming in and out. And I book the closest one that is about to embark. And I left for 18 hours and I didn't have any machines with me and I didn't have my vest and I didn't have my oxygen and I didn't have all my CF paraphernalia. And the first thing I had a panic attack because I thought that I needed those things. But given that permission, now that you got these lungs, what are you going to do? Mm. You better believe I hopped that first flight and I walked around Dallas, Texas for 18 <laughs> hours <laughs> and I lived. And my husband was so proud of me. And he, you know, he's like, sweetheart, you drove yourself to the airport and you cut on a plane and you didn't need me and you didn't need anybody, but you lived and you got mm. to do something that you never were able to do with six months. Well, you got to do something else that was super powerful and you had to get on a plane, but you yeah. surprised both Barbara and me and it wasn't even my party. We were trying really hard to get Kelly to come out and be in studio with us, mm -hmm. but we wanted to be sensitive for those of you listening because she needed to wait, like she's telling yeah. you right now about the Dallas trip, so right. many months before she got on a plane. Because the moment someone sneezes, coughs, burps, right. a dog yeah. pees, right. now the plane's got yeah. so many animals That's on right. it. Um, so... We're thinking, oh, it just every time Barbara called you to come back on the show, you had this job, it didn't work, yeah. you couldn't fly out. Right. And then we're at Barbara's 50th. And those of you who have heard the episode that are listening, her surprise 50th wedding anniversary, in walks Kelly, yes, her husband, there. and the twins in yep. LA. Yes. And we're like, what? Oh, I know. It was the yes. most, it was and the just best. You, I think I, that was her highlight for Barbara. It I really think it was. was. It really Renewing was. Your I remember I turned Kelly. around. I turned around and... I mean, I was just like, wait a minute. It looks like Kelly. <laughs> but that's Scott. You know, oh, my gosh. It was just amazing. It was It was just <sighs> a miracle. No, yeah. it's a miracle. Yes. It's, it's how I feel Moses must have felt when the water was parted Pardon. or mm. when Lazarus come forth or when, you know, Esther goes before the king and doesn't get slayed. It's like these miracles are happening in 2019. We just miss them. I mean, here, Kelly, <laughs> just even seeing you, we have a beautiful picture. We'll post it. But the blood in your face, your skin tone, mm -hmm. your your yeah. children, there was, I mean, your kids have basically turned into, you know, Grey's Anatomy doctors and nurses. I mean, being raised with a <laughs> mom they know how to oh, flush yeah. you they out know they know how to do, how to do IVs, yeah. shots yep. it's crazy yeah. Yeah. i mean it really it's is. and your husband is just he's a saint i really think he is <laughs> kelly tell he, us if you can yes scott heart. 
Yeah, he is, he is. my heart. And yes. I, I say this, and, and I don't say it to offend anybody, but I don't think in all the world a girl could love a man more than I love him. I just, he it's is just amazing. How he I've has witnessed. embraced. Yeah. He has embraced. And that's the thing that people don't understand with transplants is that the whole family goes through something. Like Scott will say to me, you don't understand. I married a woman that was sick. That's right. That's and what I wanted like, to talk about. And it's like getting to know each other. We're like honeymooning all over again. Like I get to oh. kiss my husband and not feel breathless. And I don't have to fear I'm going to cough up blood. And I remember there was a defining moment and it was a wow. week and I was still in the hospital and it was a week after my surgery and I was given the privilege to take a shower again. And I had all these scars, scars under my breast and tubes hanging out of me. And I was just, I was just so afraid to take that shower. And so he took off his clothes and he got in the shower with me. And then we just started crying and sobbing because all the scars and the battle wounds and just seeing, you know, the remnants of what took place and it's sinking in. And, and he said, oh, my goodness, it's almost like you went to war or how your body looks. He's like, it is about getting to know you all over again. And then we came home and it's me getting a new job. And, you know, for so long, my children knew me as the mom that was sick. And when I came home, I remember the first thing my daughter said is, I don't feel safe anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, mama, I always knew I could feel safe because and that you were close by because I could hear your cough in the grocery store. I always felt safe because I knew you were so close by because I didn't have to worry about being alone because I always knew where you were by your cough. And mommy, that's gone now. The mommy that I knew was gone. And my husband, he's, you know, was so used to being my caretaker. I mean, for so long, he was doing IVs around the clock and then he would go to work and then he'd come home and feed the kids and bathe the kids and now that mommy got better, they're still trying to learn that mommy's capable of doing so much more than what I used to do. And you don't have to depend on daddy all the time for these things. And my husband's like, I'm so proud of you. you you're, you're working now and stuff. He's like, but there are some times I miss taking care of you. I miss being able to feel needed from you. And so it's been a process of getting to know each other. But our marriage is so sacred to us because we know how little time we had. And we know that this time has been borrowed. We don't know how long these lungs will give me. We don't, but we believe that every day is a blessing. And every day we say, thank you for marrying me. Thank you for loving me. Thank mm -hmm. you for just being a part of my life and showing me love. And when you have a marriage that's built on Christ and, and there's a sickness and everything's going against you, when the power of the blood of the lamb is shed over a marriage, getting to see the side of marriage has been so sweet. I don't have to worry anymore and fear that I'm going to die and leave him a widow. And yes, we have that fear, but yet it's still learning to live. For so long, we were learning how to cope with me dying that now we get to learn that, wow, I don't have to go home and do treatments. And wow, I can kiss my husband without feeling like I'm a time bomb in my chest and I'm going to cough up blood or stop breathing. And oh my gosh, it's the most amazing thing, kissing and just being with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, share. Uh, I mean, it affects the family and part of your yeah. family is your dog. Oh. Tell what happened with your oh. dog. 
when I, my dog is a service dog. Her name is Emma and she's the best thing. And we've taken her to training and she was so used to being able to alert me when my blood sugars would go low. She would tap me really? in the air. Oh yes. And she was so in tune with me that she would tell me 10 minutes before I cough up blood that I was going to cough up blood. And so when I came home with these new lungs, she went through a depression. She would stop eating and she would just lay at my feet and look up at me because she lost her purpose. And so we took her to the vet and, you know, she's not eating. She's not playing. She's not, you know, I can't take her out in public anymore and act like she's a service dog because she's no longer needed for me to be a service dog. She can now be an animal and a pet. And when an animal and a pet is a service dog and retires from that early and they still feel like they have that purpose, they feel lost. And so when I came home, she wouldn't come near me. I mean, she would lay at my feet. She knew that something was wrong, that something just wasn't right with my body. And so going through that depression, we ended up taking her to the vet. And she said a lot of service dogs will die of a broken heart because they're no longer feeling like they have a purpose. Mm -hmm. So we had to find a new purpose for Emma. And that new purpose came in finding her a puppy. So now... We t- oh, found her a purpose, and so I thought now- you gave her a vacuum and a sponge, and she's now <laughs> yes. cleaning the toilets and vacuuming. Exactly. Them. So I mean, this dog's her- brilliant. I mean, yeah, that's unbelievable. She so got a little so puppy. What kind of puppy? We got her a Havanese, and her name is Molly. And oh. we always will say it's not our dog. This is Emma's puppy. This is Emma's purpose. And so it's so amazing to see her purpose come back again and showing this new dog her how to do things and how to sit. And she tra- she trains her, tra- trains her how to do certain things like lay on her back and to show her how to do it. And then the dog repeats what she does. She feels like she's doing something again. And so Ugh. it's it's been an amazing process. And like I said, transplant is up and down. Like now I'm having kidneys. I'm stage three kidney disease. And the first thing my husband says is I couldn't give you my lung when I asked the doctors if I can give you my lung, but now I can give you my kidney if you ever need it. And it's, it's, oh, he's a, a match. Well, we don't no, know that yet, oh, but oh, yes. he, he wants to feel needed. He, uh, he feels as though he, he begged the doctors, can I give her, can I give her one of my lungs mm-hmm. when the lungs weren't coming? And now he feels like, you know what? Adam gave Eve his rib. Why can't I give my wife a kidney when she need, if she needs it? So it's been a process for our whole family. And tell me about the twins. How old are they now? Oh, my babies are not so babies anymore. My right. son, they're both 11 <laughs> years old. They're going to be 12 in December. And oh my gosh, they're... You know, I want the listeners to hear something because you said something very powerful to all the moms listening right now. I know you're probably sobbing already, but you said something on our first interview with you at, about you were never even supposed to live, you know, past 20, right? And then yeah. God gives you a husband, the man of your dreams, and then he gives oh. you these twins, a, a, boy, a and boy and a girl, like you get both, yes. right? Which yes. people would die for. <laughs> and then not only did you do that, you realized that because your time is so limited and us listening right now, we're so arrogantly going through our life thinking that this 
this, her story doesn't affect us, but we actually, she's living more than we are because we are arrogantly thinking that we have another day when our life is a vapor. All of us were just exiting, but you said your dream was just in that operating room when they said, well, first they asked you, which baby do you want to kill? You can't have both of them and live. Yeah. And you said, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't even barely say that, but, um, yeah. To ask a mom if she's still, which baby you want to get rid of, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah. "No, I'm having these babies." She has the baby knowing that she's going to be then the one that dies, and she yeah. just asked the Lord, "May I please just hear them cry?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell they, those stages because then you said you got to hear them cry, and then you said, oh. "I just want to hear them say, Mama, you know, can yeah. I live long <laughs> enough, Lord, to hear Mama?" And then you yeah. heard that. And then you said, mm-hmm. can they just oh, li- yeah. live long enough so that they'll remember me? Can they get to yeah. an age where they would go, I do remember mom. And, yeah. and then they live and they know, obviously know who you are. And yeah. then God gives you these lungs. Yeah. <laughs> so how are the kids in their faith and their family and how, how are they processing <sighs> the new mom? I know you shared well, about your daughter a little bit, but yes. your son you know, would, would take the, your oxygen and your IV and walk the halls with you, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I always have to say, you know, <laughs> oh everyone, gosh. I've had people ask me, why would you allow two babies to be born knowing that you couldn't give them a mom? And throughout the whole pregnancy, I journaled every day and I still journal every day to my babies because I want them to have the mom advice. I want them to know what mom would think about certain topics. I want them to know who I was and what I believe and what we stood for. And when we got pregnant with those, we walked by faith and not by sight because at that time, only five women with cystic fibrosis had twins and three of them died within the first year of giving birth. And the fourth one died. So at that time, I was like the only one that, you know, challenged the envelope. And I remember going in my husband, they showed these little gerbils. They look like little gerbils on the screen. And and they said, okay, which one? And I, it's almost like saying, which hand do you want to take? Because I couldn't do it. And all throughout my pregnancy, I would sing to them and I would hope that they would hear my voice in the womb. And I would read stories to them and tell them about my life and through letters and and when they were born, it was the, you know, it was like a funeral the day that they were delivered. My mother-in-law, my mom, everybody was in that room and everybody was thinking the same thing. We'll bring home two babies, but we won't bring home Kelly. And for me, that was okay. I knew my husband was so capable. He is my hero. He can do anything. And, and I knew that they would, they would have the strong background of knowing the Lord because of the faith of his, their father. But all I wanted was to experience just their first cries. And I got to do that. And you keep Mm. bargaining with God, you know, their first steps. And let me see them off the kindergarten and all the letters that you end up throwing away because you got to see the first piece come out. (laughs) You got to see, you you know, all those milestones. And you were left and thinking, you know what, Lord, you were good. And even if, you know, my husband, I think, had the harder job throughout the process. He had to prepare our twins that God is still good to a 10-year-old. God is still good. Even if he chooses to take mama, God is still faithful. God is still good. God gave us 10 years with mama. But you know what? Those 10 years, mama really lived, and we got to experience mama. And 
all these years they were prepared, you know, we were told, you know, let Scott do more with the kids because you don't want your children thinking that mom is the only one that could do the things like give baths and, you know, make sandwiches a certain way. And so Scott took on the majority of the caretaking with them because I had to unselfishly release what I thought a mom would be and allow God to mold Scott to be that caretaker that the kids needed, even if I wasn't there. And so that was a hard relinquishing, but in return, I was able to see my husband become a mom and dad to them. And, and God said, you know what, I'm on the other side of the brokenness that you're shown through these doctors with some dreams of my own. And now that I got these lungs, we're living, like we're doing things. We're going indoor skydiving and we're, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're spending time with the family and we're celebrating the joy of coming of another day. And it's not just mom having new lungs, but it puts things in perspective for us that we've never seen before because I am living. And every day I'm living as a survivor. I'm not dying. And as long as there's breath in my lungs, I will share her story mm. that it's her lungs in my body but it's our story to share of God's goodness. Mm. So Amen. good, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless again. It's I just, know. it's God is so faithful. And if you get a chance to go read on her Facebook page, she documented every day in the hospital and, and yeah. at the end of every post, she'd say, and for this, I choose joy. And I can tell you, I've seen you in your dark hours. <laughs> I remember when you went into Barbara's room one time with the vest on and then came out and we went yeah. to dinner at Red Robin and your joy yeah. then. And I hear your joy and see you at her 50th wedding anniversary with your beautiful family. And you're still saying, and today... I choose, I choose joy for joy. this. I choose joy, I choose God. Joy. Blessed be And you know what? Unselfishly, that 50th wedding anniversary of Barbara and Robert was a coming for us as well as a family. It was our way of rejoicing and celebrating God's goodness, not only for Barbara and Robert, for our own family. That I, at Barbara and Robert's 50th <laughs> wedding anniversary, for the very first time ever in my life, I was able to dance. And not get out of breath. Mm-hmm. And to see the tears on my husband in my husband's eyes, my husband loves to dance. And to see that, that I was able to do something that he enjoys and we weren't having to stop. And you better believe I had to be there because mm-hmm. Barbara's been such a significant part of my life. That's why we named our son after this family and so that he would know the background of why we named him Cameron. And just Seeing 50 years of marriage, it gave me the hope and the belief that if the God of all the universe could give me that time to see my babies cry their first cries and be able to watch my children grow up, then maybe, just maybe, me and Scott can win that anniversary dance one day. Mm. You know? (laughs) That's the God we serve, girl. You can just And Kelly, you know, God is a faithful and good God and you, my dear, are a faithful, faithful follower. Yes. Mm. You have been blessed. Beyond measure. But thank you so much for joining us in the splash zone and your friendship is just a treasure to us. Mm. And 
we're just thankful. I know our listeners are saying thank you in their cars right now or on their walks just for splashing us with truth in love and in joy. And I want to ask you, where can our listeners learn more about how they can help with CF, that community? How can they get involved with your random acts of kindness? How, where oh. can they find you? Well, I'm at Kelly Asbell on Facebook. Um, That's A-S-B-E-L-L-K-E-L-L-Y. Yep. Kelly Asbell. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't, I'm not a fancy writer. I'm, I don't have a fancy website. I beg to differ, (laughs) my dear. you're an amazing writer. (laughs) Well, thank Thank you, you. Kelly. We love you. And we just um, feel so blessed. And I know our listeners Mm. feel so blessed that you joined us in the Splash Zone today. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We love talking to you and we also love hearing from you. So drop us a note or a review on the platform you're listening from. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Splash Podcast. Keep splashing the love one breath at a time. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com.